turn to first peter chapter three should be up on the screen as long as it will hold up as long as the computer doesn't freeze on us back there <clears throat> man i can't tell you how, how good it feels to be here tonight and i can't tell you how good it's going to feel when i have the forethought to have other people do things besides me up here <laughs> because it's hot my voice is already getting tired because I don't do this that often but I'm just glad to be in youth service on Friday night Amen. the world wants to tell you wants to tell us that there are nobody that there aren't young adults that want to do this there aren't young adults that want to serve a creator, serve a God. They want us to believe that we are our own God and that we should be serving ourselves. And for just a little while, we're going to talk about that. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. It says, Finally... I still hear pages being turned. That's good. I don't hear that very often. It is. Tapping the screen doesn't make much sound. 3, verse 8. There it is. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful. Be courteous. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Amen. You can put your Bibles down. Let's close our eyes. Let's ask the Lord to touch this word. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for what you're doing in this place thus far. Lord, I pray that you anoint this word. It is your word that will last for all of eternity, God. The one thing that stands true to the test of time is your holy word God and I thank you for that and I pray that you bring something to light to each and every one of us that speaks to our need that speaks to our heart tonight for this very moment amen Amen. thank you for what you're doing so far and what you're going to do clap your hands to him amen you may be seated For our first, I don't want to necessarily call it youth service, but it's not really hyphen either, but young adult service, because we're all adults for the most part. There might be some little ones in here. I got Jade, Jade there looking. She's looking at me. She's, she's like, I'm not an adult. <laughs> You're not an adult. I got Lil P. That's Lil Palomino. That's what I'm going to call him now. I told him to call him Lil, call him Lil P. At, at ABI, there was a there was a, a a Bible school student there that was from Texas, and uh, 
he was real not real short but he he was a smaller guy and I call him little T and then when he got married I called him big T so you're gonna be little P till you get married so hopefully that won't be for another decade or so all right first Peter 3 it says finally be ye all of one mind I love that word one you see it a lot in the word of God Finally, be ye all of one mind. What is he saying? He say, we need to put Christ first. We need to be Christ-centered. Because there is power when all of our minds are put together for one singular purpose. We've seen it throughout, throughout history of, of what man can do when they put their mind to it. Amen? So I can't help but get a little bit excited when I think about what the potential is in this in this building right now if this group alone was to put our mind and our heart on Christ alone in one mind amen, amen. the possibilities are literally limitless and i say that with as much faith and with as much boldness as i can muster because that is the truth right he said it in the word didn't he yes we can do what all things, all things. Through Christ, who what? He strengthens you. I'm thankful I don't have to rely on my strength because there are times when I feel weak, when my body aches, but it's through His strength. Romans 15 6 says it this way so that with one mind and with one mouth, you or we may glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, receive one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. See, we've got to make sure that Jesus is what our minds are focused on. It's easy, and I know because I do it all the time, to get focused on me. To get worried about where I'm going. About what I'm doing. That's what society wants. That's, that's the day and age we live in. We live in, and, and I'm not going to be the first one to say it, and I won't be the last one to say it, but we are still living in a selfie generation. Amen? You know, duck face, whatever you want to call it. It's selfie generation. Everything is about me. Everything is about what I want and how everybody else fits into my plan. That's the way society is shaping, and that's what Satan wants. Because if we can focus on us, on me, we ain't going to be able to focus on Christ. And then we're relying solely on what we can do, on what I can do. But his word says otherwise. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that Jesus Christ didn't live that way. He didn't have that type of ideology. Let's take a look at, at how, how he looked at things. In Matthew chapter 16, we're going to step into a, a, a part of Christ's life where he's speaking to his, his disciples. It says in verse 13, Matthew 16 verse 13, it says, And coming into the parts of Caesarea Philippi, Jesus asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say me to be? The Son of Man? And they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Verse 15 said, he said, he said to them, but whom do you say that I am? I already know what they, they think I am, but who do you say that I am? 
And Simon Peter answered, spoke right up, said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. I can imagine Jesus getting a big smile on his face saying, You are blessed, Simon, son of Jonah. For flesh and blood did not reveal it to you, but my Father in heaven. He says, And I also say to you, Peter, On this rock I will build my church. Peter answered the question correctly. And now God is, Jesus is, is granting him something, giving him a gift, basically. On this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell, we heard it earlier, shall what? Not prevail against it. And I will give the keys of the kingdom of heaven to you, Peter. And whatever you bind on earth shall occur, having been bound in heaven. And whatever you may loose on earth shall occur, having been loosed in heaven. Peter, at that moment, was kingdom-minded. Right. He was just given a great responsibility. And we'll, we'll get back to that later. But Jesus didn't stop there. It would have been great if he did. Peter would have been happy. But he didn't stop there. He went, he went right into what must happen to him. He says he warned his disciples that they should tell no, no one that he was Jesus the Christ. It says in verse 21, From that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again on the third day. I don't think Peter heard that. All, I think all Peter heard was be killed. Because Peter stands up. I mean, I can, I can imagine Peter. He's probably one of those guys that's like, oh, oh, oh. Oh, oh, oh. oh, I know this answer. I know this answer. I'm just going to say it. So, so eager to say stuff. He's going to wish he hadn't been so eager here in just a minute. Because Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, God, be gracious to you, Lord. This shall never be to you. I could see Jesus' smile going. Well, he probably didn't have a smile when he was saying that, but he turned to him right away. I'm sure he put his finger right in his face. He said, Peter, get away from me, Satan. You are an offense to me. For you do not savor the things that are of God, but those that are of men. Peter, all of a sudden, just as quickly, showed his true colors. He lost his kingdom-mindedness and started thinking naturally what he could see with his eyes. And Jesus was very quick to put him in his place. Uh, I, I mean, I can only imagine how that would feel. I mean, I don't know if I was talking to Dallas and all of a sudden he turned to me and said, Get away from me, Satan! I'd be like, Ouch. What? I'm going to go to Brother Hanson. No, I'm just kidding. I'm sure that, that, that rocked him. Because Jesus said to his disciples, he said, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself take up his cross and follow me. This is the most important part. So he says, for whoever desires to save his life shall what? Lose it. Goes against everything that we're taught in society. And whoever desires to lose his life for my sake shall find it. See, when we make Christ the sinner, when we have one mind on Christ, as our focal point of our life, it is then and only then that we can discover our true, who, who we're truly made to be. Our true potential is in Christ. And it's only when we're focused on Him. 
This is why it is so important, especially as young adults, that we have an established relationship, that you have an established relationship with Jesus Christ. Because that allows you to, re- to realize, first of all, your true potential and that your potential isn't relying on anybody else. It's only relying on Jesus Christ. Because there's a lot of things that are coming your way. If you're not graduated from high school yet, pretty soon you're going to have to make that decision. Do I want to go to college? And all these things can easily take you away from Jesus. That's why people, that's, that's why so many people, so many young adults, so many young kids walk away from the church, walk away from Jesus when they go to a, when they go to a college. Because secular colleges, I know I spent five years in one, is not kingdom-minded. <laughs> they, ain't got, they don't want nothing to do with Jesus. So we got to be firmly founded in Jesus Christ. This is why it's so important before we, before we step into a relationship, be it with... Uh, uh, I'm trying to figure out the good word to use here. <laughs> before you get serious with someone of the opposite sex, you need to make sure that you and Christ right. are fused. Because you don't want your identity to be found in that person. Our identity needs to be found in Christ. Amen? Because I guarantee that you're going to make your future spouse that much better. Why? Because you are founded on the solid rock. And Jesus is the center of your life. And that makes you that much of a better person. And if that relationship falls away, if something happens and they're just not the right person, then that's not going to destroy your relationship with Christ. Because I've seen it too many times. Too many times where it, 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 it's, things are, are, are going great. You know, it seems like all the, all the wheels are turning. Everything's, everything's moving. Then something rocks it. Something, something changes. And now all of a sudden, they're, they're, you know, they, they've lost it with everything. They, they, they ain't got... Because they didn't have a relationship with Jesus. They just kept looking around instead of looking up. I can't help but just look at that cross. I mean, you can't see it now because it's dark out, but our eyes need to be on Him. Right. And then when He has us, when we're, when we're all centered and focused on Christ, and he's, he's got us grounded in His Word, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I, I went to a Bible college for four years, and I waited till I was, I, I was like, 10 years after graduating from high school because I think I went to college for five years and I was living in LA for five years and after I was married that was when we decided to go to Bible college and I can't say that I would have done it differently because I have my beautiful wife and I have three handsome little boys and I love them dearly Um, but there was a point in my life where I was going to go to Bible college before going to secular college and my parents meant the best for me, but they talked me out of it, and they, were, they wanted me to get a good job and get a degree. And I can't blame them for that, but the reality was the five years that I spent in college were the toughest five years of my life. They were the darkest five years of my life because I got disconnected from Christ. I let myself get pulled away and sucked into what this world had to offer. 
And I had some miserable, miserable, bless God, miserable days. I know that there were people praying for me because I wouldn't be standing here today if there weren't people praying for me. So that's why I'm thankful that all of you are here today. Because my late teens, early 20s, I wish I had a different testimony, but that's just my testimony. I'm thankful that this is your testimony, that you're here. Amen? Amen. Let's clap to him for a minute. Hallelujah. I'm thankful for where we're at. See, Peter continues on. So we have to be in one mind. Christ has to be the center of our mind. We are one church in Jesus Christ. You are the church. Whether you like it or not, the building doesn't matter. The size, the structure, what matters is you. That's why in the first church, when this started out, what they do? They went from house to house. Over 3,000. That was a big church. They didn't have no big cathedral, no big buildings. They just fellowshiped in their, home, in their homes, and they taught about Jesus. And they changed, they rocked the world. Amen? See, because once we have Christ as our focus... There are beautiful side effects of that. Ripple effects that just happen. The world has their initial, you know, I'm sure if you spend any time and you've experienced that temporary satisfaction, that temporary pleasure of, oh, this feels good right now. But the reality is, is that A, you're killing yourself. And B, it's not going to last. I have family members that are hooked on meth. I had one family member who, who died of a drug overdose who couldn't break free from the grip that it had on him. He had been baptized, but he couldn't break away from it. And, and he lost that battle. That's what the world has to offer. That's what sin brings. That's what it brings and we need to remind ourselves of that because when we have to make that decision when you have to make that decision because that's going to happen you got to have some things to re- that remind you of why you're living for christ why you're living for jesus amen why we're here and not somewhere out there why we're not getting getting you know done up and 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 whatever to go out and 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 do whatever i don't need to you guys know i don't need to go into details Peter goes on to say, and a lot of these things we should know, they're just a given, but Peter felt the need to remind us, to remind the people of what it truly means to be Christ-like. He says, have compassion one of another. I felt like this was what God wanted me to talk about as our first youth service, getting these things, getting these services back going, getting these, these, uh, us together to remind us of why we need each other. We are to love one another. How? Love as brethren. That's why we say brother and sister. Because the Bible says that when we're baptized into Christ, we become part of a family. And you're not like, you know, a second adopted cousin. We're brothers and sisters. We are brethren. We may not get along all the time. My two boys are three and a half and two and a half and they fight all the time 
And I am just looking forward to it continuing on because I know how my brother and I were. My brother and I fought, but I love my brother. And when they fight and I say, Asher, tell Silas you're sorry because he's always the first one to start swinging. <laughs> he stops and he comes over and he says, sorry. He touches his arm, sorry. And he gives him a hug. And sometimes Silas receives it and sometimes Silas... It's like, get out of here. But they love each other. When it boils down to it, they love each other. We're not going to always get along in church. I don't know if there's a church. I mean, maybe there's a church that has a facade where everybody gets along perfectly. But, you know, there's a book that was written called People Are Pitiful. But we're all people. No, is that how it goes? Yeah, something like that. People are, you know, we're all people. People, we're going to make mistakes. We, we may get upset, but we're still family. We love each other. Christ is at the center. One mind. That was the very first thing he said, right? One mind. Christ in the center. Amen? He says, love as brethren. Be pitiful. This word pitiful means well-compassioned or sympathetic. Be there for your brother and sister. You know, that's why it's important within the church especially because we can talk to each other and minister to each other in ways that we can't do with people that we see at work or friends that don't understand the, the spiritual aspect of life. How important prayer is. We, we possess that tool and that is a very important tool for us to use. Amen? It says to be in, uh, pitiful means be tender hearted. Be courteous is the last thing he says there. Be courteous. That sounds like a good place to be. I go to a place where people, A, they love me, they, they care about me genuinely, and they're courteous. This should, be, this should be what our churches are, this should be what church is like. He then goes right into not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing. If your brother or sister does do these things, don't meet them that way. Don't do it. It's going to happen, I guarantee you. It's going to happen. But contrary-wise, blessing. We talked about this in our life group lesson on Thursday. If someone's coming against you, you know what you got to do? You bless them. You know, basically, we talked about this. We're basically, you're putting it in God's hands. You're allowing the one who wants to take care of it, take care of it. And you can wash your hands of it. You'd be like, you know what? I'm going to bless you. You know what? God bless you. I love you. I don't know what you're doing, but I'm going to bless you anyways because I'm not going to hold on to this. I'm not going to let your sin bring me down. It says, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. You bless people, guess what? You're going to be blessed you're going to get a blessing. Amen? It says, For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Now, I know this isn't always possible. I'm guilty of it. That's why I'm thankful for repentance. But we need to do our best to do these things. And again, one mind. Christ is on our mind. We're being Christ-like. I mean, it's hard to speak evil of somebody if you're loving everybody as a brethren, if you're, if you're compassionate and sympathetic and tenderhearted toward them, and if you're courteous 
Amen? Amen. It says, let him eschew evil or, 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 or shoo aside evil and do good. Let him seek peace. Not just seek peace, but ensue it. Pursue it. Actively seek it. He sums it up with this. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. And I love this part, that his ears are open unto our, it says theirs, but we can say our prayers. He hears your prayers. He's listening. And there's a warning. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. That's a warning, but I also look at it as a promise because those are, there are going to be people who do evil against you. You're young. Maybe you haven't experienced it. Maybe you have. God's going to take care of that. God's going to protect his beloved. We're his bride. I know that's kind of weird for some of you maybe because how's a guy a bride? But we're just the church. It's symbols, symbolic. He's going to take care of his bride. He's going to take care of you. He's going to take care of me. And if there's someone comes against you, you know what? Bless them, pray for them, and say, God, you know what? You take care of this. And you can hear testimonies of, I mean, I don't mess with someone who has a touch with God. Let's just put it that way. Someone has a connection with God. There's been people that, I don't want to say that it was coincidence because I don't really believe in coincidence, but man, I know people have died. So you just let God take care of it. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, he will take care of it. I came across this stat when I was studying for this. The Gallup poll indicates that 50% experience intense loneliness. This is high school students and college students. 50% of high school and college students experience intense loneliness. And the other 50%, that's 100% collectively, the other 50% experience varying degrees of loneliness. In other words, we may not see it on their faces, we may not hear it in their voice, or read it in their expressions, but people are lonely. In the day and age that we live in, where it's social media extra, you know, extraordinaire, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, um, Instagram, you know, whatever you want to, you know, whatever there is, people are more and more lonely, desiring that connection. And that's what we have. That's what I'm just, that's what I'm showing you. That's the, that's the hope that we have. That's the blessed peace that we can share with those that are out there. As long as we accept that and, and, and take hold of this, and realize that we're part of something that will change and revolutionize our area. It'll, it'll change your schools. If someone could just get a hold of this because people are hurting. I mean, there may be people here that fall under this statistic. And the thing that, that people need is, is they don't necessarily need a friendly church. I don't think there's a church you can go to that isn't going to be somewhat friendly unless it's, I don't know, filled with a bunch of old people and they just don't want to, you know, they're just kind of, I don't want to go to heaven. People don't, people don't care about that. What they want is they want a friend in that church. 
you know, we can, we can thank people for visiting and do all these things, but we, if there's no connection made before they leave this building, before they leave your building, then they may never come back. Because they're desiring a connection. They're desiring someone who shows these things, who is compassionate, who has love for them as a brother, who looks at them and doesn't look at them like, like people passing on a sidewalk where you're like, hey, how's it going? Hey, how's it going? How's it going? How's it going? They don't care how it's going. They just say that. I mean, I do that too. And I, I know I'm, I'm closing up. I'm, I'm finishing up here. The reality is, is that they need Jesus. And that's what we have. Amen? See, Peter answered Jesus correctly and gave him, and Jesus gave him a gift. I'm going to read it again. He said, I will give thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven to you. And whatever you bind on earth shall occur having been bound in heaven. And whatever you may loose on earth shall occur having been loosed in heaven. See, but Peter had to go through some things first. We've all been promised a gift. When Christ died on the cross, we were promised a gift. But Peter, just like us, had to go through some things, had to go through a transformation. And you can stand. I'm closing. Because after this, Jesus calls him Satan. Then he calls out his faithfulness. Peter had to deny him. But the promise was still there. Those words that Jesus uttered that day were still lingering. But what did it take? It took this on the day of Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost was fully come. The Bible says they were all with one accord. This is the disciples, the 120 that were in the upper room. They were all in one accord. And that one accord... It means they were in one mind. That's what the Greek translation of it is. They were in one mind and where? In one place, just like we're at. And what happened? We all know they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak that beautiful language with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. People saw it, began to question And now Peter, the God-focused, Holy Ghost-filled and empowered, new and improved Peter, remembered what Jesus said to him all those days ago. And he began to preach to the thousands. And he gave them Jesus and him crucified. Because when Christ said, Peter, you know what? I'm going to give you the keys that's going to unlock everything for you and for everyone that will and this is when that moment happened I mean it's that aha moment right we all we've had that like and I can imagine the anointing flowing over Peter as he stands up and starts preaching them it's just he's railing on them basically preaching accusing them of everything that they knew that they did and he was bringing it to light and he got to the to the apex of what he was saying the pinnacle of what he was saying the Bible says and this verse will never get old to me and as Pentecostals and Apostolics we know this verse backwards and forwards he said unto them do what? repent in other words I'm so focused on me right now all I'm doing is looking this way all I'm doing is looking right here I need to repent 
I need to turn 180 degrees and I need to start focusing on Him. And be baptized every one of you. Not some of you, not just the nobles, not just those that matter. Every one of you. And I sometimes I wonder if, you know, there's no markings of, of a comma or anything like that to where he kind of thought about for a second. You know, Jesus said, Go ye therefore, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Jesus told him this. And it got to this point in his message where the culmination of everything he had been taught boiled down to this one sentence. And Peter had that revelation where, you know what? The name of that Father, the name of that Son, the name of that Holy Ghost was embodied in that one man. Jesus Christ. And that's why he said, I'm going to baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ. For what? The remission of sins. And he didn't stop there because he wanted them to receive what they had received in the upper room just a few minutes prior. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That is what this world needs. That is what each and every person that is not here and each and every person that's here needs. We got a baptismal that's full of water if you want to be baptized. We have an altar where there's been a lot of bawling and squalling that's gone on in this this building over the last few years. A lot of repenting going on. And we already started the service in repentance. So we can look forward now and see Christ if you haven't received that yet. But all I'm going to ask is when this song plays, if we can just come to the altar for a few minutes. I know it's kind of late, but you know what? It's Friday night.